0: Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here. Just a quick reminder to subscribe wherever you do listen to the podcast. Throw a rating on there if you would like to, you know. You do what you like. You live your best life. Um, get in touch with any questions, comments or concerns. egraney at postmedia.com or I'm easy to find on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. You can also shoot me over pictures of your dogs or cats or, you know, good chocolate cake recipes. I will take any and all of the above. Enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Emma Graney, and this is the Game of Thrones edition. It is Friday, March 9, 2018. And with me today my fellow legislative reporter, Claire Clancy. Hello. Hello. Fresh How- off the throne speech. Oh, looking just absolutely delighted with it. Yeah. You have a glow about you, a throne <laughs> Thank speech. Glow. You.
1: Thank you. Paula
0: Simons. <laughs> good morning, Miss Grainy. Or, or I guess depending when you are listening to this, good day. Yes. Good day. Good night, mate. How's gown? And Graham Thompson, you don't have a actually a throne speech glow it's, it's about you. I a glow
2: from the nuclear option <laughs> in the throne speech yesterday.
0: Graham's growing an extra eye from that nuclear <laughs> option, just like the fish in The Simpsons. Okay, so we're obviously going to be talking about the throne speech and what happened yesterday and kicked off spring session. We're going to talk about the man who leapt from his conservative politics throne this week, and then he rode away on his horse, Brian Jean. And we're going to finally talk about the new king of the Conservative Party, Jason Kenney, and what we might see from him this session, and generally what we might see this session, which kind of started yesterday, which was Thursday, but really starts for reals on Monday with QP. Bill 1 was already introduced yesterday, but I guess technically it started, technically. So, throne speech. Fun, right, Graham? You know, I didn't get past page 3. Because <laughs> they had news in it. They yeah, don't usually well, have they news. They never have news. I mean, <laughs> actually. Yeah. I mean, it's Sarah,
1: Sarah O'Donnell is so excited on Third Speech Day, and I always think, "Oh, sweetie, you're like, you <laughs> like, like, like my my kid used to be on Christmas Eve. It's just not that that exciting. But this <laughs> this year, it really was. Oh man. Yeah. Like normally, like,
2: you know, like uh, the, the, yeah, these are puppies and, and uh, you know, rainbows kind of documents. And then you page three. You can to
0: unicorns. And unicorns, things, yeah, yeah. A lot, yeah.
2: lot of unicorns in throne speeches. It's always like this, this pretend how great things are. And then page three, screeching halt, brings up Peter Lougheed and uh, turning off the taps.
1: It was, it was the wording throttle. was careful. I love the word throttle.
2: <clears throat> Throttling off the taps. Uh, down, not cutting off. It was, it was very carefully worded. I think some, some politicians missed it completely. I talked to them afterwards and go, like, well, what are you talking about, turning off the taps? But. <laughs> It was on
0: page three, guys. Page three, here.
2: Come on. So this was uh, was the the Notley talking about, and the thing is, she had a news conference beforehand, which is really unusual. An embargoed news conference. Embargoed, but still unusual, Mm. to make sure no one missed it. (laughs) (laughs) She alluded to um, Peter Lougheed and taking bold action, and if necessary, we'll do the same thing. And I had to go
0: and ask Graham. I'm like, hey, Graham,
1: what, what did...
0: What did Peter Lougheed do? Oh, that was very good. Did I get it? That was very good. I'm going to give that an 8.5. Thank you so much. Uh,
2: And of course, this harkens harkens back to 1980 and the National Energy Program and the fight with Ottawa, and uh, Lougheed passed a law that ramped down production like to 85% of capacity and so he, he began slowing down the, the flow of oil to Ontario, which drove, of course, central Canada up the wall yep. and that forced Ottawa back to the bargaining table and Ottawa sort of backed down uh, to a certain extent. So Notley, of course, Peter Law, he's an icon in this province and so Notley is saying, if necessary, I'll do the same thing. Um, not just, you know, to, towards BC and fl- slowing down the flow of oil to, to British Columbia, but doing it again to Ontario to get Ottawa's attention. So it's not just to um, put the screws to British Columbia. It's also to reduce the flow of energy, perhaps, Mm. to Ontario to get their attention and then put pressure on Ottawa and have Ottawa really stand behind Alberta's push to get the Kinder Morgan pipeline expansion built. That's what it's all about here.
0: And when we asked Notley about this at that uh, that press conference, the weird pre throne speech press conference, and she kind of said, you know what, we're just trying to make sure we have all our tools in our toolbox, we, we would need as much flexibility as possible as possible maximum, maximum flexi- flexibility yeah, and but we is, not
1: isn't that exactly what horgan said tools in the toolbox do you think oh, she's, yeah. she he said we'll she, use she, every tool in our toolbox toolbox actually- toolbox is Those she, toolboxes <laughs> are really is she mocking him um,
0: she's so been she using that for for a while a while yeah. You know, he,
2: he he said he's a toolbox we have a toolbox, and she says that Autobots a tool truck
0: it. yeah <laughs> they should back that up and just start unloading their tools and using them but they if you can't be handsome be handy <laughs> 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 she um but I also got the feeling that this might involve gas as well what well, is I asked
2: her if it's oil and gas and she said it's everything I said just b c or the whole country it's everything, so it says <laughs> it'll be everything money. maximum uh flexibility Mm. and so yeah she's now what she's going to do is bring in a a bill and pass the bill and then have it handy just in case she wants to do it and the thing of course the problem she's going to have is when does she invoke this Mm. because when Horgan uh, at the end of January said that he thought he had jurisdiction over pipelines Mm. that gave Notley an in to bring down the wine boycott I think that he is being he'll be really careful not to do something so overt in yeah. the future which may be a problem for her to actually then pull the trigger on this.
0: And she said that she's basically going to keep the very close eye on it and it's if it's anything that even kind of smells a bit like harassment or putting this project on hold then they're just they're going to step up and kind of launch in with these new extra, extra flexible tools. <laughs> and
3: on Monday as well, like they said, they're bringing in, the NDP's bringing in a motion to have a debate about yeah. the pipeline. So that'll also garner support, which the UCP has been asking for an emergency debate <laughs> for weeks. But now that they're back, they'll be talking about it.
1: As so, well. I mean, there are two interesting questions arising from this. One, can she actually do this? Or does the constitution give the federal government the veto power to say, no, you can't. You can't discriminate in exports, and you can't turn off the power source for the country. Well, um,
0: she can because uh, she was asked that yesterday, and according to Notley, yes, Alberta can do this because it's putting the stuff into the t- pipes to begin with. So, if you're just putting in less, that's that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right because as exactly. long as as long as you're saying throttle, as long as you're reducing.
1: Um, it, 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 it's a bit like the discussion we had about wine, right? I mean, you can reduce the amount of BC wine that you buy without calling it a boycott. You can reduce the amount you put into the pipes. But I, I think it will beg an interesting constitutional question. The, the the second question is, does she actually have any intention of doing this or is the, the point of this just to sort of cut the legs out from under jason, jason kenny. kenny you know i mean it's interesting because Ken- kenny yesterday is sort of like well well it was it was my idea first <laughs> I know. um you know that's not that's not really i don't think the greatest offensive position i mean it's one thing if if kenny had been able to go into session and rail against them for not being tough but now you rail against them for for taking your good idea, I mean, I did see people on Twitter saying, "Well, then we might as well just elect Jason Kenney." But I, I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily how people who are not UCP partisans would think.
2: <laughs> but it is interesting. That's a good point, uh, Paula, because uh, for for weeks now, whenever you mention this idea of the the so called nuclear option, turning up the taps, turning down the taps, throttling them back, whatever. Uh, she would always say, no, um, no, there's no way. You know, uh, Kenny wants to build a wall around Alberta, so she made fun of his idea,
1: <laughs> and then and she
2: adopts it. Well, now,
1: with, with modifications, right? Because yes. she, she, Kenny said, turn off the tap, and you know, she's like, That's oh, we wouldn't turn politics. off the tap, we just, we, we just you know, turn it down. Love but that. it is, you're <laughs> right. It is, you know,
2: then Kenny can say, well, it's my idea first, but uh, yeah, fine. So the thing is, so in other words, if you give the government advice and they take it, then you complain about them taking the advice? <laughs> Uh, so there's, But also going back to what um, Claire said, this is the government getting ahead of, of Kenny by taking his ideas. For example, Kenny wanted to have a motion, a, a debate on the Kinder Morgan pipeline, and Nottley said no. And now they're no, having she a debate. Didn't,
0: on she, the... she didn't answer his letter. Yeah, still <laughs> well, he still he, mean, he wanted to call them the back,
1: <laughs> back into an emergency session. Right. But, yeah. I mean, why would she give him that? I mean, it would have been stupid politics to Absolutely. let him dictate the terms. But now she gets to say, see, that was a good idea. Now we're going to do it.
2: See? So what happened this week on... Tuesday, the House leaders met. Brian Mason met with the House leaders and other parties to discuss the upcoming session. He does not tell them about the motion he's going to bring in on Monday. On Wednesday's a news conference to announce he's bringing in a motion to, on this debate. <laughs> So it's a way of him saying publicly, we're going to do this, and again, get ahead of Jason Kenney, and then this speech from the throne, uh, get ahead of Jason Kenney so he can't come in the house on Monday and demand an emergency debate on the Kinder Morgan, and then put forward the idea of turning off or turning down the and tap. And
3: it's so interesting to see the NDP harkening back to the Lougheed era, you know, it's just completely well, out of kind of the UCP messaging. Well, from and, and what's fascinating, I
1: mean, you know, for those of us who remember Peter Lougheed, um... I, mean, well, let us, <laughs> I, I wasn't me. born. I wasn't born at the time. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was in high school when Lawheed made the famous speech. And it was a moment I'll never, ever forget. He sort of went down to, you know, to like the the bunker that we use as the – I guess it would have been the press briefing room he would have been in, right? I mean, I was a kid at the time. But, um, and, way and, before my time. And they did <laughs> –
2: <laughs> in Alberta.
1: Let's well, all list our ages. I am, I am a younger than Graham, but significantly older than Claire and Emma. But I mean so I was a kid and it was it was like a council of war. It was like, you know, like FDR's, you know, Day That Will Live in Infamy speech. He he went and he made this live broadcast to all Albertans and basically said, you know, we're gonna do this and he had graphs and he had charts and this Ooh. is this is long before, you know, you had video effects so they were pretty basic graphs and charts the kind that you would use in a kid science fair project uh but it rallied the whole province behind him the, the irony being of course that who was the leader of the opposition grant notley rachel notley's dad so there is something
0: really i didn't know i that. don't know that either oh so you didn't know that? oh yes yeah, so, no. so, so i mean there is this weird kind of what Greek? Graham, Greek? what? I'm learning everything about Alberta <laughs> politics as we go <laughs> along. Right,
1: Graham is incredulous that you do not know this. Yeah. So, I mean, at the time, Grant Notley was sort of the one voice standing up. The
2: one up, being literally like, the one voice.
1: Uh, uh, b- being the person <laughs> standing up to Peter Lougheed. And so it is so ironic to see Rachel Notley, Grant Notley's daughter, repositioning her- herself as Peter Lougheed's daughter, as Peter Lougheed's heir and successor. And she must have invoked his name, I mean, a half a dozen times yesterday alone, right? I mean, she wants the mantle of being Lougheed's successor, which is, of course, the mantle that uh, that Alison Redford sought for herself, that Dave Hancock sought for himself. I mean, everybody wants...
2: Including Jason Kenney.
1: Including Jason Kenney. But, you know, I mean, she... There is such a I mean, a strange poignancy. I sometimes wonder what Grant Notley would think if he saw his daughter, A, the Premier, and B, uh, Laheed 2.0.
2: Well, think about um, this idea of who is the, the true heir to Laheed. Laheed if you look at his policies is a New Democrat. He raised royalties in oil companies. He lost... They kicked him out of the Calgary Petroleum Club, called him a socialist. He began buying companies. He bought the Pacific Western Airlines.
1: Airlines. Peter's wonderful airline.
2: He, he began getting involved <laughs> in the economy. The things that the, 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 the NDP, you know, you'd think would be in favor of and the PCs would be against and the UCP would be against, actually, Laheed brought in. So in a lot of ways, the NDP is the heir apparent to someone like Peter Lougheed.
1: It's It's just... Ironic that she's, you know, not just adopting the the nomenclature, but but the policy platform. So, you know, uh, and and in the hopes that people will rally behind her. Whether it will work, I mean, hardcore Jason Kenny UCP supporters are not gonna fall in line. But for for people
0: in the middle, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on to Brian Jean, who we usually refer Hold to on, on this. Anything
2: else in the throne speech? I don't know. I didn't get paid. No, I mean there are lots of
0: things. There were lots of things. In there. Lot I lot of things mean, in I mean,
2: I am mean, being tongue in cheek. <laughs>
0: no,
1: no, the the rural <laughs> there were so much. <laughs> the rural crime initiative is is actually interesting because again this,
0: That's this another UCP this, thing. This is the same <laughs> pattern, right? I mean,
1: the UCP wanted an emergency debate on rural oh, crime, classic. and they're like. Mm, Okay, you know what we should talk about? We should talk about rural crime.
0: <laughs> well, because the UCP had a bunch of um, rural folk come into the ledge last session, and they packed out the public gallery, and they were there to push for an emergency debate on rural crime and talk about the problems that they're seeing in their communities. And the NDP was like, you know what? No, it's not. A, it doesn't meet the criteria for an emergency debate because that is something new. That is an emergency. That that that's the and this doesn't fit the criteria. So we're not going to have the debate. So then when they had that rural crime initiative. I was actually watching Jason Kenney and Jason Nixon on the front bench there, um, you know reading through the throne speech and at points they've just kind of like grabbing the, the throne speech and both pointing at it and kind of shaking their heads and rolling their eyes and like oh, that's what we were doing that yeah, I mean we- I mean she, <laughs> she, she is gaslighting them it is really quite something to see but but smart because this
1: is this is a hot-button issue and ironically in the in the wake of this case in Saskatchewan the Colton Bushy Stanley case um I, I think this is an issue that does need to be taken seriously, probably didn't need an emergency debate at the moment that the UCP was calling for one. But it is a legitimate and serious problem for a lot of rural
0: Albertans. And so, you know, again, eating that lunch, you might as well have two courses and the other final things there were some um, Bill Two and Bill Three are going to be diversification. Yeah, Bill Two will be some diversification thing with tax credits and. Which Bill is One
2: di- is
3: to, is energy diversification, which is yes, which is yesterday. which is
1: again. I mean, that's right from the Lahid playbook.
3: And Bill Three will be about renewable energy.
2: Rainbows and puppies and unicorns in terms of being busy.
3: But uh, yesterday too, Jason Kenny, which was interesting, said um, when asked about the first bill that was brought into the House, it was his reaction was kind of interesting, just saying like this is an example of what a government would bring forward if they've run out of gas. Yeah. So
0: he did. Now let's switch gears. Is that okay, Graham? If we move over now, you got anything else to get off your chest? Think of it like a therapy session. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, don't do that. Um, Brian Jean, who we usually call Paul Brian Jean on this podcast, it seems, very often. He's resigned. He resigned on Monday, which I don't think was a huge surprise to most people. Um, He's had an awful lot going on in his uh, personal life over the last three years, I suppose, ever since he came back from Ottawa um, and then took the... you know, took the top job at Wild Rose, built it up from nothing. No, Graham?
2: No, I, I would say the Wild Rose actually had gone through that uh, floor crossing exercise. Well, yeah. Right? But then That's what I mean,
0: but they kind of self imploded, right? Well,
2: they did, but I think, you know, and Brian Jean, of course, he became leader. But I think that the Wild Rose, in a sense, saved itself. It wasn't so much Brian Jean pulling it together. It actually, that the movement was so angry at what had happened with the floor crossing under Danielle Smith that the, the movement saved itself. Now, I'm not trying to belittle the work that Brian Jean has done. Uh, but I think that that sort of is one reason why he he, he couldn't hold on to the uh, Wild Rose, in a sense, the, the Wild Rose slash PC slash UCP leadership is because he wasn't the one that saved everything. It was sort of saved itself. And along comes Jason Kenney and just takes it away from him.
1: Yeah, like a kid on the playground with the bully comes right. and takes your ball. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. We had a line in our editorial <laughs> this week that Brian Jean was the most popular Premier Alberta ever had and you know the editorial board had some debate uh I'm not a member of the editorial board but I got to listen in a little bit about the discussion of you know would he have become premier if he'd hung on to the leadership of the party if the two parties hadn't merged and it's a, you know we'll never know what that alternate history line would have been but i think odds are not unreasonable that that he might have been premier had had things gone in a counterfactual direction, but I mean, we will never know. We'll never know what kind of Premier Brian Jean would have been. Um, and I don't blame him if he feels a little embittered as he <laughs> leaves as he leaves life. But uh, you know, I think people will remember. Leaves him. political life. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. Not life. I mean, he might be actually gunning back his life uh, to a large extent. But I think people will remember him um, with. You know, uh, for the class and dignity with which he bore himself as leader of the opposition, um, his dignity in the house, the way he responded to the Fort McMurray wildfires, uh, the dignity with which he held himself as Jason Kenny came and took over his party and and pushed him out of a job. Uh, he, I think, he will be missed in in the legislature. In, I think in also, question he, period.
2: He was becoming more of a, a moderate voice, a thoughtful voice in, mm-hmm. on issues like climate change, which then the UCP needs moderate, thoughtful, respected voices in the, uh, the caucus. Now, of course, um, Jason Kenney said, look, you know, we, want him, you know, we wanted Brian Jean to stay and become an important part.
1: <laughs> but of
2: course, um, it's politics, right? And the thing is,
1: yeah, sure. just Jason, days after... Jason really wanted him to stay. Just, I'm sure he did. Just
2: days after um, the leadership vote, um, there was a bloodbath in the UCP staff Yep. Where they laid off everybody who actually you know had said good morning to Brian Jean yep. was gone, mm-hmm. and they brought in all the uh, the Jason Kenny um, loyalists. Of course, that's that's how politics works. And so Brian Jean, for all kinds of reasons, um, has has left. And I think that yeah, I think he will be missed. Um, but of course, this this is now the Jason Kenny party, and there's no sense there's anybody out there who could be a rallying point for dissent within caucus. And uh, so he is gone, and uh, sort of segueing here. And I apologize. He he says goodbye, and we get an, a hello again from Derek Fildebrand. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm glad that you brought that up.
2: Who had a news conference this week, and we all
0: turned up. The media was packed. Of course we did, <laughs> and you it know, was it.
2: well worth it.
3: Oh, <laughs> because...
0: I haven't had so much fun at a press conference in many, many moons.
3: And now we can say, to quote Derek Fildebrand, <laughs> "Politics is full of bull." <laughs> politics is full of bullshit (laughs) yeah are we allowed to
1: say that on the podcast yes i don't know (laughs)
0: says the host
1: who (laughs) says too much (laughs) we we weren't allowed to say it in the newspaper but we'll just hope that nobody (laughs) nobody from our (laughs) senior management is last night no, we won't, we won't hope that. But yes, but it was a direct quote from Derek Felderbrand, and, and who's to say he's wrong? <laughs> but, but the it thing is, there's a certain irony
2: of it coming from Derek Fildebrand.
1: Uh, Graham, had the, Graham had the line of the week, though, in which he said he was almost waiting for Fildebrand to blame the deer for walking in front of the bullet.
2: <laughs> well, because he's blaming everybody else <laughs> yeah. for everything that goes wrong with him. And he, uh, the thing is, though, so he's, he's still he's, – it's a good sense of humor. Um, but he's very thin-skinned, and uh, we're pushing him. Because he had his news conference to announce this um, MLA should take a 5% wage rollback until, yeah. the, until budget the budget is balanced. Balance. And it's, sort of a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a typical, simplistic um, kind of thing you'd expect from Fildebrandt. So we had a couple of questions, and then we went off just on what what the heck are you doing? Are you sticking <laughs> around, and then he kept saying, "Well,
0: can we can we go back to my my,
2: my private <laughs> members mom, bill?" At one point, no. he said to Graham. <laughs> at one
0: point, he said to you, Graham. He's like, "Look, okay, w- I'll take another question on this, but only if you write about my motion." Because <laughs> 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 he's he's drawn the second private Which members I did. bill.
2: <laughs> and I mean, yes. Yeah, and I said it was. And, and you're simplistic. right, I mean,
0: he he took those questions rather well. He yeah. he's told the story about how he holed up in his apartment for weeks drinking <laughs> well, scotch. No, hold on. I, I wouldn't
2: <laughs> laugh at that. The guy obviously has gone, on like, a personal level, human level, he went through a really low point but in his But it's rare that you
3: see a politician admit that
2: so publicly. I, I think I felt, on a human level, I felt bad for him on a human level but yet on the political level he did it all to himself this wasn't somebody who's been unfairly treated this guy blew up but he did it to himself
0: he he was so depressed he didn't pay a parking ticket so then at the end the his legislative director got up to clarify he has now played the he has now paid the parking ticket and then he stuck his head back into (laughs) the room and said i pled guilty on that one
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it
1: was a very fun press conference. But it, but it's interesting because, you know, Graham said there's no one left in the UCP caucus who can be a threat to Jason Kenney. The interesting thing is, I mean, there are two schools about what Derek Feldbrand is going to do is – Is he going to be helping Kenny from the outside in hopes of one day returning? Or is he going to be undermining him? Because one of the first things he did, even before the press conference, after Kenny said he wasn't going to have a shadow budget, uh, Derek Fildebrand went, I'm going to have a shadow budget all by myself. (laughs) Derek Fildebrand, party of one. I will present my own shadow budget. And I thought, is he... Is he subtweeting, uh, as the kids say, Jason Kenny? I, I, think th- I think that's more a shot at Kenny than it is and at And he Notley. also
3: said he's been doing shadow budgets for years, too. Yeah, with the Canadian
1: Taxpayers Federation. Yeah, Didn't
0: so. do them with Wild Rose, but...
2: The, the problem is he's become a punchline, literally a punchline to, to a joke. Uh, we had that with... Um, Notley had the speech... Uh, you covered it last Saturday, right? I
0: did, yeah. The, um, it was the provincial council, and she said, you know, Saskatchewan had this thing with the license plate. We f- stood up for Alberta, and, and we won, and BC has tried to do this with the pipelines. We stood up for Alberta, and we won. And then Jason Kenney fired Derek Fildebrand, and nobody stood up for you. No one stood up for him, and we all won, or something like
2: that. <laughs> and so the thing is, people right now are ridiculing him and mocking him. He's become a punchline to a joke. And I don't see him playing any sort of. Um... He
0: wasn't there yesterday. He was not there for the throne speech. I was in the gallery checking out who was sitting where, what was happening, and he was not there. Um, he says he's going to continue being a an independent conservative voice um, for his constituents. But there was, what there Brian was...
3: Mason said too was, you know, just talking about the punchline thing. Brian Mason in his press conference said, um, "Derek Fildebrand, Unchained. What could possibly go wrong?" So I don't know. Maybe we'll see some interesting things happen in well, the house with him. Well, it's
1: interesting because. The other thing he said this week is that the Alberta Party had made overtures to him. Uh, the Alberta Party, the Alberta Party was very very quick to say, "No, no,
0: no, no, nobody here. Uh, uh, wasn't us." Nope. Did you see Greg Clark's tweet to him? He got a GIF of a sloth that's like, "How about no?" I did. It was. Amazing. When I talked
3: to the Alberta Party spokesperson on that, um, uh, he was like Niall. He basically was like, "That's an emphatic no." <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: okay. Very, very briefly, because we are running out of time here. The session is coming up. Jason Kenny's going to be in the House for the first QP on Monday. Um, Jason in the House. Jason in the House. What are we expecting here? Fun fireworks? Yes.
3: Civility and decorum to the highest. <laughs> <degree>. <laughs> And they all laugh.
1: I think we need That's to end That's what he think, said yesterday. I think we need to end there. I mean, I don't know how you talk about how you talk
0: that. I guess we'll talk about it next week, what it ends up being. Clancy, thank you for that. Let's move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we've read or seen or listened to lately that we think you might also enjoy, dear listeners. Glad do you want to kick us off here?
3: Um, I'm recommending a piece from GQ called Dragon Man, the man who sells people hunting guns. And it's really interesting. It's about a man in the States who basically sells the assault rifles that have kind of been known in um, different mass shootings over the last few years. And just what his thoughts are about... the fact that he sells guns that can kill people. It's a really fascinating read.
0: Interesting. Uh, Paula, what do you have? Uh, My favorite piece of the week.
1: It's a New York Times story, although I'm going to give you the link to it on the Edmonton Journal website so that we get all the clicks. It is about depopulation in rural Japan because nobody is living in towns and Mm. and farm communities anymore. And so those communities are being overrun by gigantic and ferocious wild boars in a post-apocalyptic, or I guess maybe it's a pre-apocalyptic and some of the wild boars are radioactive. Uh, and so people are... All of our jokes <laughs> just dropped is in this the a, studio. Is this a video game? <laughs>
3: like, what's <laughs> happening?
1: This is a really, truly New York Times story. And it's, it's, it is the most piece of high intellectual, you know, an important piece about demographic shifts in rural depopulation, and also radioactive wild boars. It is the Whoa. best clickbait you will ever read.
0: Wow. Wild bulls are actually probably in Australia, and people go pig hunting and then they stab them and they take their dogs. Fun fact: I'm going to recommend, oh, Paula. That's blowing my mind. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait to, so read sad sad to read that. <laughs> I'm going to recommend a uh, a podcast that I listened to this week. It was on uh, the podcast called On the Media by WNYC Studios, but it was this one particular episode called "Face the Racist Nation." It is extremely interesting. It's talking about how the media is covering white supremacy groups and Nazis and all of those hardcore people that never really got a platform before recently, how we portray them, should we even be talking to them, the language that's used about it. And as a, as a journalist, it is an absolutely fascinating listen, but excellent listen, highly recommend it, very thoughtful. I don't know that I came out with a, a decision on any of it, but it was really gave me food for thought. Graham.
2: Um, I want to say, first of all, I'm looking forward to reading the Insight feature that Paul is working on for tomorrow.
1: Thank you. It's, uh, it, this is a, a joint project that y- Yuri Graney, uh, Johnny Wakefield, Paige Parsons, and I have put together under Sarah's... Uh,
0: expert guidance. Yes, expert guidance. That's uh, what that um, was.
2: It's fascinating. Uh, quickly, I know people really love it when I recommend movies, and people on, <laughs> on Twitter don't seem to like mm. my recommendations. <laughs> uh, the post... It's a movie with uh, Meryl Streep, uh, Tom Hanks, about the uh, Washington Post, the fight over the Pentagon Papers yes. with Richard Nixon. It's really well done. Uh, well <laughs> also, accurate, be- of course.
1: also before Emma and Claire were born. The, well,
2: 1971, so way back then. Yep. Uh, <laughs> back in the time of rotary dial telephones. My
1: great-grandma this. had one of those. Yeah. And newsrooms full of reporters.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, um, it is a <laughs> celebration of journalism and a condemnation by proxy of Donald Trump. That's the way I read into it. So I thought it was really, it's a really well done movie. And it is as timely, as well as looking back at the importance of journalism in the the past and why it's so important today.
0: Guys, thank you so much for joining me here today on the Press Gallery. Clancy, Paula, Graham, and join us again this time next week to discuss the first week of session. Getting in the house. Getting in the house. I'm really excited. I'm going to spend this week tweeting from the gallery. They kicked me out of it because there was a brass band in there for the throne speech so I'll be going to be happy to get back in there. Thanks guys.